Well, welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at www.rocksolidministries.org. Again, rocksolidministries.org. My guest today is preacher Philip Sterling of First Christian Church, B.B. Arkansas. Now, Philip, I... A lot of times I say this, he's been my friend for a long time. I'd say we've been more like acquaintances, brothers in Christ, acquaintances who run across each other every once in a while, On uh, uh, usually in Memphis at the preacher and, and spouse appreciation dinner that's put on by Rockslot Ministries, the Mid-South Christian College, and that's how we kind of connected and and uh, got scheduled for revival next year. You got on our wait list, and we got to come this year. So we're in the midst of a revival at First Christian Church in Beebe, and uh, I'm really looking forward. We, we got to know each other a little bit in a couple of days we've been here, but I'm looking forward to learn more about your life. So, Brother Philip, tell us your story. Well, uh, thank you uh, for having me, first off, and I really do want to say I want to appreciate, or we appreciate what Rock Solid Ministries does for our churches. We really appreciate the uh, banquet. Uh, for Mid-South Christian College. That's one of our weekend getaways uh, of the year. Um, <clears throat> of course, now that our oldest is, is is moved away from home and he's out on his own, we don't have that live-in babysitter for our youngest anymore, but we've still uh, managed to uh, be able to find a sitter the past couple of years to be able to come and enjoy that without having to worry about chasing a little one around. Uh, if you can't, just bring the little one with you. <laughs> well, <clears throat> several people need to do that, and we just want you to get there. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we've we have been uh, able to reconnect through uh, through the uh, uh, the banquet with several of our friends from around oh, really? the state. So yeah. um, uh, we don't we don't get to see them, but once maybe twice a year. So it gives us an opportunity to to visit with them and, and fellowship with them, as well as meet new people and. I'm not much for meeting new people, but I've enjoyed meeting new people at the <laughs> at those banquets. So, uh, uh, and of course, you know, Larry Larry Griffin has has been very instrumental in a lot that I've done uh, ministry wise. Uh, he's he's had some contacts that I've dealt with, and 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 a lot of advice uh, that I've called him for. You know, just to ask questions, and he's always makes himself available, and and I appreciate that. Brother Brother Larry is the president of Mid-South Christian College, and I agree with you. I don't want to embarrass him if he's... And I know he listens to, I think, every podcast because he says he uses these stories a lot of times and experiences in teaching preachers. So uh, I don't want to embarrass him, but I'm going to say he is just exactly what you said, a great guy, a great resource, and he cares a great deal about preachers and the Lord's Church. Uh, and and on that, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to tell my story. I tell our congr- my congregation all the time that our story, our testimony, may be just what somebody needs to hear. Yes. Uh, they need to hear that somebody was where they are mm-hmm. and that there is a way out, and that way out is, is, of course, Jesus Christ. And he can pull us out of the darkest, deepest depths of life. Uh, so... Uh, but I want to go back, and I'm going to go back to the beginning. Uh, I have a unique story. Not that most of your stories aren't unique, but mm-hmm. um, when I was around five months old, my biological birth mother uh, gave over custody to my grandparents. And uh, they became, to me, mom and dad. Um, mm-hmm. uh, of course, my biological mother is, is now part of my life, uh, but I'll get onto that here in a little bit, but I was raised by my grandparents who, uh, I referred to as mom and dad. That was the only mom and dad that I, I knew. And I was raised in, in a, in a Christian home. Uh, we were Pentecostal. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, depending on the church that we went to at the time would determine whether we were strict Pentecostal or whether we were, um, uh, don't really know how to word it, but not as strict. That's interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I've never heard that before. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but uh, I, I grew up. Uh, all the baptisms that I ever went to growing up were, were down at the river, or down at the lake. You know, uh, we didn't have baptistries in the church. Uh, I'd never seen a baptistry in a church until I first went to the Christian church. Now, where did you grow up? What town was uh, it? Well, I started out life in Illinois, uh, in mm-hmm. a little city called Lake in the Hills, yeah, uh, up uh, just north of Chicago. Wow, uh, you really are from up north. Yeah, 
Uh, and then in 1986, we moved to, to Arkansas. My dad, uh, grandfather, was born and raised in Jetsonia. Uh, so his his yeah. parents uh, still lived in um, uh, Bald Knob at the time, and we moved just south of Hot Springs. All right. Now, let's make this clear because we have listeners all over the world. And if they can get to an Arkansas map, Jetsonia <laughs> is not the first place they're going to see. No. But if they're looking for it, they can probably find Searcy. Yep. And it's near Searcy, and Hot Springs is a place you would see on an Arkansas map, yes. and might even see on a on a United States map. Yeah. Uh, but, it's a national park, so right. um, it's 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 it has a lot to do. Um, of course, my mom worked for the city, uh, so we got to go into all the attractions for free uh, oh. growing up. So because the city had, if the city didn't own it and operate it uh, as part of the national park, they had. Um, contracts with these these other individual privately owned attractions that all the empl- city employees could take their families to for free so nice. uh, if it's in hot springs i've experienced it <laughs> um and if you if you ever want to travel to arkansas hot springs is a beautiful place to travel to uh you won't get bored <laughs> there's 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 plenty to do. Schedule a week, maybe two weeks, uh, for a vacation to come to Hot Springs. I, I, you know, you're not working for the tourism <laughs> office, but but I, I will say that this this year, Beth and I had our 45th anniversary, and on our way to a revival in Southwest Arkansas, we spent a night in Hot Springs, and we used to go there quite a bit when we lived in Arkansas. And uh, I love I love walking downtown, yes. and I got up early in the morning like I do and walked some of the trails up on Hot Springs Mountain. And it's just, a, if you like trail walking, if you like uh, little shops and things, it's just a great place to visit. It is. Um, and we, of course, living there, it get, it gets old. Sure. <laughs> um, but, um, and then uh, in, I went to public school up until ninth grade. Uh, and in ninth grade, I transferred to the Arkansas School for the Blind in Little Rock. Uh, I am right on the cusp of, of the legally blind definition of legally blind. Um, and, uh, that was, it was something I'd held out on for several years, uh, until I actually had a friend that I went to junior high with that went to school there and he called me to tell me how great of a school it was. And then I showed up expecting him to be there and he had, his parents had moved out of state. (laughs) Now, this school is in Conway, Arkansas. No, this is in Little Rock. Oh, in Little Rock. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, and, uh, it's, of course, they've renamed it now. It's Arkansas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired because you say Arkansas F- School for the Blind and they automatically think that everybody there is totally, completely blind. Okay. Um, but we had uh, we had enough students that we had a, a basketball team. So Wow. <laughs> uh, that were, that were, were sighted. So, and that began the course of changing my life. Um, I was doing well academically in public school, uh, socially, not so much. Uh, I was the awkward kid. I was the blind kid. Uh, right. I was the kid that didn't fit in. I wasn't the athlete. I wasn't, you know, I just, and, um, but going to ASB, Arkansas School for the Blind, opened doors for me to be involved in athletics. And, uh, involved in social clubs like Key Club and Student Council and and stuff like that, and that really opened up a world of new possibilities for me. Right um, now, <clears throat> when it comes to being a minister, being a preacher, uh, I've been told since I was knee high to a grasshopper that I was going to preach. Just about every church that we'd ever attended, I had been told that I was going to be a preacher. Oh. <laughs> uh, when I graduated high school, uh, my I was going into college to be a. Uh, my goal was to be a biology. I'll get it out in a minute. A biology teacher, right? Because uh, I have a love for science. I still have a love for science, and uh, I have a love for using the Bible to prove science and using science to prove the Bible. And um, you told me this weekend that you love to teach. I do. I yeah. I, I absolutely. Uh, love teaching, and that was my my ultimate goal. And right after graduation, the church that my parents were going to at the time, uh, as I was preparing to tra- to make the transition from high school into college uh, at Arkansas State University in Jonesboro, he said the same thing. He says, you know, he thinks he's going to go out and he's going to teach people about fish, but I think he's going to go out and teach people about Jesus. Uh, mm-hmm. And instead of teaching about fish, he's going to be a fisher of men. And I. 
you're crazy. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, of course, I was old enough at the time, that time, to know I didn't want to have anything to do with that. Uh, I had, really, I the only time I went to church during that part of my life was when I happened to be home on the weekends and my parents were off and we were able to go to church. Uh, I had stepped away from church uh, all throughout uh, the first half of college. Uh, I didn't have anything to do with, with going to church, uh, being involved in church. Um, I never quit believing in God, believing in Jesus, never quit praying. I uh, would read my Bible on occasion, but I just didn't go to church. Right. Um, it just wasn't anything that really had my attention. Right. Uh, sure to speak. So, and then uh, circumstances will have it. I met my wife through a mutual friend, uh, and she was uh, in a bad, very bad spot in her life. Uh, she was separated from. Her husband, who was a very violent uh, mm-hmm. individual, and uh, we were I, we were introduced through a mutual friend and with with no intentions of ever having a relationship. Uh, she just happened to be with uh, our mutual friend when when I met up with with uh, her, and she was our mutual friend was a sister of one of my uh, coworkers. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, long story short, several months went by, and and you know her. They had went through the divorce process and, and all that, and um, we found out she was pregnant. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and uh, in the process of all that, I started attending uh, Christian Valley Christian Church with her. And that's where? And that is in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Okay. And uh, the minister there at the time, Brother Pat James, and, and you're familiar sure. uh, with Brother Pat, um Sort of took me under his wing, uh, so to speak. He knew that, that, that my focus wasn't in the right direction. Um, and then after our, our first uh, son was born, um, he had a, a heart-to-heart talk with me uh, one Sunday afternoon about baptism and giving my life to Christ. And and I, like I said, I was raised in a Pentecostal church where you prayed the sinner's prayer, right. and you're done. Right. Uh, I didn't understand anything about baptism or even having a relationship with Christ or the Holy Spirit or how all that, how all that worked. Like a lot of people, it seems like they they come to Christ, they come to church. Yes. And they become a a member of an organization. They go through whatever process that church says, but they never really give their life over to Christ. And I experienced something at Christian Valley that I had never experienced in my life. Um, growing up in Pentecostal church, a lot of, and my dad was very, very much the hellfire and brimstone type of person. Right. Uh, and that was the churches that he, the type of churches that he chose to go to. And it was always, uh, you always felt the condemnation, uh, the right. judgment. Uh, and the, when I went to Christian Valley and, and understanding that we're not married, she's pregnant. Right. She had just gotten a divorce. The people at the in that congregation just welcomed me with open arms. Uh, I didn't feel the judgment. I didn't feel the, uh, you know, the, the condemnation and the, the the eyes staring down at me when and everybody in the church knew the situation because it was the church that she'd grown up in. Right. Uh, her parents were 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 members of the church. Her dad was a, an elder in the church, and so. And it's not like we we didn't try to hide it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was it's pointless to try to hide stuff like that. But the right. welcoming and loving atmosphere, and that was where I began to understand the love and the mercy and the grace of Christ. Uh, and you know, when Brother Pat and I had that heart to heart talk, he just he came flat out and asked me, "Do I want to be baptized?" And so on October thirty first, two thousand twenty one, uh, I was immersed into Christ. Uh, in, into the, the, the watery grave of baptism, and I came out uh, as a new person. Now, 2021? 2001. Did I say 21? Yes. <laughs> I, thought I, I, I thought, now I know that's not right. So, so I thought, and I thought it might have been 11, but it's 2001. Uh, yes, okay. uh, October 31st. I do that all the time, brother. Um, <laughs> My wife's always correcting me. No, it, you're not going there in 2005. You're going there in 2025. So, uh, my, my, uh, my wife and Cindy and I were married in uh, on August thirty first, two thousand one. Mm-hmm. Uh, our first child was born October first, two thousand one, and then October thirty first, I was baptized. 
Okay. Uh, all, all within, you know, a couple months span, my life took a complete change for the, for the good, uh, you know. Um, and then in 2003, I had probably the worst year of my life. Uh, in um, November 2002, we found out that my uh, grandmother had leukemia. Oh. Uh, and it was very serious, and it was to the point to where they really couldn't do that much about it. Um, they had a experimental oral medicine that they, they gave her, and it was working. Uh, but then in, I want to say it was February, uh, my grandfather, who I called Dad, uh, called and said he told me he needed to have heart surgery. Uh, he had an aneurysm that they were very concerned about. Um, and he wasn't sure at 80, about to be 83 years old, if he needed to have the surgery. Right. Um, and he wanted my opinion. Uh, he called all five of his kids and, and me and got our opinions, uh, and made the decision that he would go ahead and, and have the surgery. And he had the surgery at the end of April and it did not go well. Uh, wow. we lost him on, um, the day before Memorial Day, uh, in 2003. Oh. Uh, five months later, on Halloween, October 31st, mom passed away. Oh, yeah. Uh, very difficult year. And, and I didn't mention, uh, but uh, in 2002, July 2002, we lost my uncle that I was fairly close to uh, of cancer. Uh, so we had a, a very, very rough couple of years. And I was a very miserable person to live with. Mm. <laughs> Um, went back into my old ways. Um, we, we stayed going to church, but we started church hopping. Uh, no. nothing at the church would satisfy me. You know, I'd find some reason to leave, uh, and go nobody's to, ever done that. Have <laughs> they? Yeah. Uh, and go yeah. to another church. And, right. um, in 2005, I started working at Target and I started working with a gentleman named Kevin and Kevin was, oh, probably seven, six, seven years younger than I am. Um, and we started to talk about sports and found out we had a lot in common with our love of, of sports. And he turned the conversation one day. Uh, the pastor of his church happened to be in Target, and he invited me to go meet him, and we had a conversation that afternoon when we got off of work about, uh, you know, getting my life going back in the right direction. Right. Uh, and, uh, of course, he invited me to go to his church, which happened to be right behind <laughs> the Target that we worked at. Uh, they actually had a, a fence that separated the parking lot. So, oh, wow. Uh, and it was really close to home because we lived right behind the mall as well. Um, and Kevin had a, a really influence on, on my life. And just from the example that he said, it worked. And the conversations that we had, it it had less to do with going to church and more to do with the example uh, that he set. And I, uh, you know, rededicated myself to to the Lord, rededicated myself to my family. Um, and then in 2011, uh, my son uh, was part of a, a ministry called the Christian Motorcyclist Association, CMA, uh, yeah, which is is based in Hatfield, Arkansas. Uh, that's another city you won't find on the map no. unless you look real close. <laughs> yeah. Southwest. South, yes. Uh, very close to the Oklahoma border. Right. Um, and uh, he uh, he got involved with that through my father-in-law, who loves ride, to ride motorcycles, uh, has raced all over the world on motorcycles. Um, and uh, so they were after us to, to come to a meeting. And my wife finally went. And then after she went, she got on to me about going to a meeting uh, and met, uh, went to the meeting and met some absolutely wonderful people. Uh, many I'm still friends with uh, today. Uh, and we went to the, their big event uh, called Changing of the Colors in 2011. And our oldest gave his heart to Christ uh, mm. at, that, at that event. And... At that point, I was already working on preparing my, or God was working on preparing my mind and my heart to go into ministry. Um, I had started working with uh, Brother Pat, uh, again, who had moved over to the First Christian Church in Osceola, Arkansas, 
Um, and this was after he, and I'm, put, I'm putting up my little quotation, folks, <laughs> retired. Yes. Like yes. a lot of preachers. They retired yes. and they took another church. <laughs> I, I think this was after his second retirement, to be honest with you. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, and uh, I started started uh, associate uh, minister under him in Osceola about the same time that, that uh, our son gave his heart to the Lord. And it, it worked out almost 10 years to the date after I was baptized and gave my life to Christ. I got to baptize my son into Christ. Wow. Uh, and nice. that was, that's one of the highlights of my life. Um, <laughs> Can I back you up just a little sure. bit here? Uh, you're talking about becoming a part of the uh, uh, the um, CMA, yes, Christian Motorcycle Association. Our listeners might be wondering how how do you do that? You're almost legally blind. Do we need to watch for you on the highways, or what, what are we what are we doing here? Um, no, I'm 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 lucky enough that I have my vision is is good enough where I can ride a four wheeler on the back on on the trails. Right, uh, mountain trails, but I don't ride on the road. Um, we actually do not own a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a ministry that um, spreads the gospel to mo- specifically to motorcyclists around the world. Right, um, and all you have to do is have a have a love for people and people in the motorcycling community. Uh, mm-hmm. People that like to ride motorcycles, people that like to ride four wheelers and dirt bikes. And, okay. Um, haven't quite got into the snowmobiles yet, uh, but I think they're they're working on heading in that direction. Um, and it, it's just it's another it's another ministry that has a heart for the gospel. Okay, well, I just thought we ought to back up on that a little bit because uh, that might sound you know strange to folks. Uh, and and so, are we okay if we get on a on a trail with you somewhere? Yes, We're, yes. All right, so you're all right. All right. I just um, just want to make that clear, you know. And I'm probably because I haven't ridden a whole lot. I'm probably going to be slow, so I'm going to slow you down so you don't have to worry about that either. Well, you're, I, I've, you know, I've just learned this kind of thing. You're not the, the this is not my first rodeo or my first almost blind or blind rodeo. Uh, I have interviewed Marvin Whiteman who plays piano for us and, and he was born blind and uh, he's done zip lining, all kinds of, even drove a car around a church parking lot down the street and back into the parking lot and he is totally blind. Uh, I don't think anybody was around when he did that, but anyway, except for the guy that was telling him where to turn. So I just, you know, I wanted to make sure that we got that clear to everybody. Oh, yeah. Now, you back yeah. back up, you're, you're associate at Osceola. Osceola. I was there for, for two years yeah. uh, while I was working on getting my master's degree in Christian leadership um, through Liberty University uh, in right. Lynchburg, Virginia. You've right. probably heard of it. Uh, huge NASCAR fan, uh, and they sponsored my favorite driver. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that kind of that kind of work. Of course, they, their sponsorship came along after I graduated, but still. Um, uh, and then I got hired here in BB in 2013. It'll be nine years, the end of this month of August. Uh, nine years. 2022 that we've been here. Uh, so we'll start our 10th year going into September uh, here at BB. And the people, uh, we're a small congregation, uh, but the people are, are very loving uh, we're known, we're known around town by the people that know us as a praying church. Um, mm-hmm. We don't have a lot of members that are physically able to do a whole lot, um, but if we can't do anything else, we can pray. Right. Uh, and prayer has prayer has. I'm one of those that's here today because of prayer. Right. Uh, because the right people at the right times were praying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. And it's just, it's one of those things that I believe, I believe the foundation of a Christian relationship, uh, of a relationship with Jesus Christ is prayer and Bible study. Yes. Uh, You have to talk to him just like he has to talk to you. And this needs to be a daily practice. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Uh, It's got to, it has to be a two-way conversation. Uh, You can't just spend all your time telling God what you want, what you need, without hearing from him and what he expects of us. And what he desires for us to do. Um, and uh, I have really, really, really dug deep um, into scripture uh, since uh, I became a pastor. And I did it more for my benefit than for the congregation's benefit. 
um, just because I wanted to learn. I, I wanted to learn more about the mercy and the grace and the love of Jesus because I didn't hear about that growing up. And I want to make sure that anybody that I come across, that that just radiates out of me. Um, you know, uh, one of my favorite sayings is, the moon has no light of its own. It reflects the sun, S-U-N. As right. Christians, we have no light of our own. We reflect the light of the sun, S-O-N. Right. Um, and that's just, that's just how I feel. We are. I mean, the scriptures say that that we are reflecting the light of the sun. Yes. I mean, that's what we we do, uh, and we're okay for for lack of a word, we're moonshiners. You know, I mean, and and uh, that that's that's a term in Arkansas people would understand. Yes. But but uh, we're shining. We're we're the moon that shines the light of Christ, and and uh, very true. And and we can't do it without. Being in the Word daily, exactly. Uh, we've got to re- be refilled, and we need to have that devotional time daily. And and uh, uh, and I, I was just sitting here noticing you have streams in the desert, the devotional book in your in your library. That's Beth and I are going through that one again this year, as well as the RSM uh, devotional book. And uh, no, I take that back. We're going through Brother Greg's devotionals this year and streams in the desert. But if we don't have that every day, uh, we can't. We don't have the strength. We don't have the strength to go on and, and serve. Yes. Well, Scripture tells us in Ephesians to put on the armor of God daily. Right. Uh, and, it, and it lists all of the different parts of the armor of God. Right. We can't put on that armor without preparing our minds and our hearts for the spiritual warfare of the day. And we prepare our hearts and our minds by talking with God. That two-way conversation, you know, the Bible study and the prayer so that we know where God wants us to go. Because if we try to do it on our own, we proved, people proved right off right off the bat, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, that we're just going to screw it up. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to another podcast driving here from Mississippi this, this last week, and they were talking about uh, great uh, Christian leaders from the past. And I, I, I apologize to our listeners. For, I don't normally try to do this and say, well, I don't remember who it was, but I don't remember who it was. But they were talking about one of these leaders who spent time and devotion every day. And he was speaking one time about he had so much, he was so busy that day. Uh, the next day, he looked at his calendar. He had so much going on. He was going to have to get up three hours earlier. So he had that quality time with God. And that's how important it is. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, without that, we're not going to be prepared for the battle that we go face every day. And as I don't, we don't have, you don't have to be a, an educated minister, a pastor, preacher, whatever you want to call, you know, the leader of, of your, of your congregation. You don't have to be an elder or a deacon to be part of the spiritual warfare. All you have to do is be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are in the battle. Right, and if we're not prepared for that battle, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be that that uh, prey that that's going to get attacked. Um, you know, the, the scripture is very clear that uh, Satan's roaring; he's wandering around like a lion, looking for the weak to attack. And we have to be prepared each and every day for those attacks. Um, and you can't do that without having that conversation with god every morning every day um so that that's a big focus uh, of my life um and uh big focus i i, I tried to imp, in, in, implant that in our our children uh you know we've got a seven-year-old and uh he's fixing to be 21 year old mm-hmm. and uh our, our our oldest is doing great things uh for christ uh in in his his job uh i can't for security purposes, I can't go into what that is. Right. Uh, but he's a member of, of, of the U.S. Armed Forces, and um, he started a Bible study, uh, you know, where he's stationed and uh, has led several people to Christ, um, has sent uh, people that have been transferred to, to new locations. Uh, they've went and started their own Bible studies. Uh, just because of, of him and another guy in a courtyard obeying the call of Christ. Right. Uh, and doing having they were actually having that conversation 
uh, with God that we're talking about. They were studying their Bible and spending time in prayer when they were approached by a couple other people. Um, just doing know, their daily devotional. Just just doing just doing what they do you right know, every day um, to prepare themselves for the for the spiritual warfare that they're going to fight. And uh, you know if if nothing of my comes out of my life outside of what he's he's done and is doing, I'm more than happy with that. <laughs> I sure uh, understand that. I, 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 I believe he's going to lead more people to Christ in, in a few short years than I have in twenty. You know, so. But that is that I tell people that's like you leading them anyway. Yes. Uh, any anybody that we bring to Christ that we that we have a part in developing and discipling. Uh, I've always said when I when I was in local ministry when I held revivals I, I would tell my congregation where I was preaching any people who come to Christ or any who are reclaimed for Christ yes. you have a part in because you're sending me and you're allowing me this time. And you're not fussing about it. You're saying, this is a mission. Go and do this. And people that I bring to Christ, uh, I hope and pray will bring hundreds, if not thousands more than I'll ever do in my lifetime. Yes, and that, uh, that, that's a blessing to know those, uh, that that, that is, is, is something that's out there. Uh, yeah. There are people that are out there because of you know something I've done or something I've or. You know, and I tell our congregation all the time so too that you may be the only Bible somebody reads. That's right. Yeah, uh, they may ever actually physically pick up the Word of God uh, at that particular point in their life. Hopefully, in the future, you set a good enough example that they do pick up. But at that point in time in their life, you may be the Bible that they're reading, uh, and you need to make sure that you're living the words that are coming out of your mouth. Um, we can't li- we can't speak the gospel but not live the gospel, right? Um, and I also tell people, you know, be prepared. You know, Paul tell or Peter tells us to be prepared in season and out of season, to always give a reason for the hope that we have. Um, and I always encourage our congregation to have their story ready. Yes, be ready to tell their story, uh, because the person that's hearing their story that may be just what they need to hear. That they are in the darkest, deepest depths of their life, and they need to know that there is hope to get out. Uh, and you know, I've listened to to a couple of the stories on your podcasts, uh, and then of course there's my story and my wife's story, uh, and then other people that we've met, uh, I've heard their stories, and it, it just amazes me what God has done in the lives of people. But isn't it interesting that that. <sighs> As a as a whole, in the in the American church, the the people whose lives have been changed, who've been resurrected to a new life in Christ, are not going out and shouting it and telling people, you know, hey, guess what happened to me, and 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 look, this is my life. You don't have to go in there and say, now this is what the Bible says right here and here. And that time will come mm-hmm. where you want to show that, but just to say, you know. I was dead and now I'm alive. And you want to know how that happened? And and to tell a story like yours is, is wonderful. And it also says that we don't always, there isn't always a turnaround and then everything's perfect. We stumble, we fall. I don't say that we make mistakes. I, people who know me know that. I don't I don't believe sin is a mistake. I I believe that tripping over the, the, the speed bump in the Walmart parking lot, now there's a mistake. You don't want to do that. <laughs> but sin is a choice. Yes. And but we we make the wrong choice even after we come to Christ. But if we will acknowledge that, and with His help, say, "Okay, I misstepped here bad. Now help me to step back." That God can use us in wonderful ways. Uh, I was at a preacher's retreat uh, several years ago, um, and we were. I was. We were. It was in between sessions or whatever and we were having i was having a conversation with several other uh arkansas preachers and the conversation of baptism came up yeah uh and it was it was mentioned i and by by one of the the gentlemen in the group that we as christians pastors sometimes make a big mistake when we baptize people because we tell them at the baptistry you're going to come up a new person and we leave it at that but what we need to be telling them is, look, when you come up, 
yes, you're washed in the blood of Christ. You're saved. You've given your life to Christ. You belong to Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. But there's still going to be times in your life where you're going to mess up. Right. You're going to sin. And allow for that forgiveness in their lives because so much has happened with the church over the past 40, 50 years, and maybe even longer than that, where guilt is a big part of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, people sin and they're, they're made to feel guilty. Um, and they don't understand the repentance. And the uh, you actually use the scripture out of 1 John, uh, I believe it was last night. You know, right. he's he's faithful and he's just. If we confess our sins, he will forgive us. First John one nine. That's uh, right. Yeah, of, of all unrighteousness. Um, I didn't hear a lot of that growing up. Uh, right. There was a lot of it. Was it was all about the guilt and all about the uh, condemnation. And if you don't get your life right, you know where you're going. <laughs> right. Um, it, it wasn't the, the love and the mercy and the grace of Christ. So when, when we baptize people, we need to help them to understand that this is step one. Right. This isn't the end-all, be-all. Right. That you have to continue to grow in your relationship and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Well, you know, you've got your young son. How old did you say he was? The little one's seven. He's seven. If If next year, when he's eight years old... You, you look at him and realize he hasn't grown an inch. And there's been no change in his facial features, nothing else. You'd get worried about that. Yeah. You, you'd say, what what's wrong here? Mm-hmm. You'd get him to the doctor. You'd yeah. say, check him out. What's happening? And in two years, if there's no change, you'd say, whoa, whoa, something's wrong. Three years, you'd be saying, we're desperate. we got to find out. But yet, people become Christians, and there's no change in a year, two years, five years, 20 years. And the church doesn't say, "Whoa, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, yeah. what what's going on with your life? We need to we need to sit down and talk. Our, our brothers and sisters aren't saying to to a brother or sister, there's no change in you. I'm concerned for you. Let's are you reading your Bible? Are you are you talking to God? Is He talking to you? Uh, you know, let's spend some time together. Let's get to the spiritual uh, position. Let's get to Jesus and get this worked out. But if there's no growth and physical growth, well, we we'll get all all been out of shape, mm-hmm. and and if there's if there's no vision, like in your case, why well, parents are going to be concerned? How come there's no vision? And there has to be a vision in the Christian's life as well. Yes, and uh, that very good point, brother. Very good point. And, and as as uh, I forgot where I was going to go with that. That's uh, all right. <laughs> we'll just go uh, somewhere else for a while. And we'll come flying back to that. But yeah, growth is 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 very important uh, in our lives and. Uh, Jesus said, this is where I was going to go with that. Jesus told us that we are, that he came to heal the sick, to save the lost. It's not the healthy that need the hospital. Right. It's the sick that need to go to the doctor. It's the unhealthy that need to seek medical advice. And that's why we're here, is to search and seek the lost. And to bring the unhealthy spiritually into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I can't save anybody. You can't save anybody. Uh, but the Holy Spirit can. Right. And But it's our job to go out and to share that. Um, right. And I wish, I wish the gospel would travel as fast or faster than rumors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, a rumor can get started uh, in one minute, and by the next week, it's all over town, especially a small town like Beacon. Right. Um, and, you know... Uh, if you remember playing that old game uh, where somebody would whisper into the ear and it would go around oh, the circle, yeah. and by the time Played it got that back, sure. uh, it wasn't even close to what was originally said. That's how rumors go. Right. But And they spread quickly. I wish the gospel would spread that quickly. And I wish that as Christians we could grow that quickly. But we, you know, it doesn't. And I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I can't understand why people aren't shouting it from the rooftops. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm saved. Go into their family. And, and I'll be honest with you, family is probably the hardest to share the gospel with. Mm-hmm. Um, and people that knew you B.C., before Christ, right? <laughs> um, can be some of the hardest people to share the gospel with. But it can also be the some of the easiest people because they knew who you were before, and they know who you are now, and they want to know what's different. 
You know, my my grandfather, when he would go to preach in the Ozarks, they'd go out in a in a, in a big field and he'd stand on a tree stump and preach. And people would come by the hundreds because he used to run moonshine, play piano at honky-tonks, and they, they, they just couldn't believe that this man was changed. And so they would come to hear him, and some took him a while to accept, but many people came to Christ because he was, wasn't shouting from the rooftops, he was shouting from the tree stump. But, but you're right. We, we, you know, these are people in here, but it, they are. Sometimes it's hard to share with our family because, yes. as you say, they, they've seen our dirty laundry, and they really know us. And they know the time you lost your temper over that card game or whatever it was you were doing. That and and yeah, I don't believe you could. I don't believe this so much. I'll just wait and see. And sometimes they want to wait twenty years before they decide <laughs> that maybe this might be true. But you've you've had some dealings with going back with some family members, uh, someone from your past lately that's come back into your life. Uh, yes, uh, my mom, my biological mother, uh, probably uh, it's five or six years ago. Uh, and I would always call, uh, make an effort to call on Christmas Eve. Uh, and it was usually a short conversation, you know, how are you doing? Everything's good. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. And that was about the extent of our conversation. And uh, one Christmas Eve, four or five years ago, uh, she, I called. And she was, she just poured her heart out. Uh, she was brokenhearted over the decisions that she made to, to, to give me to my grandparents uh, and them, them to, to raise me and, and her not being part of my life uh, as much as she could have been um, uh, back back when I was younger. Uh, really wasn't part of my life until after we had this conversation other than, you know, just the, the phone call here and there. Right. Um, and I just, I told her that, you know, all is forgiven. Uh, I, and a matter of fact, I'm thankful that she made the decisions she made because I wouldn't be where I'm at had she not made those decisions. Um, mm-hmm. You know, God only knows where I'd be, and the reason he didn't want me there was because he had something else for me to do. Uh, so he worked circumstances where they have worked out, um, you know, to, to my benefit. Uh, but she has, has really uh, changed a lot. Um, she had to have a, a thyroid surgery that made her quit smoking, uh, which is obviously really good for your health to, to, to quit. Sure. Uh, you know, she's, she's had some issues with alcohol in the past. Uh, she doesn't hardly drink that much anymore. Um, it's just not appealing to her as much anymore to, to go and close the bars like she used to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that was when I did spend time with her growing up, that was what we did. Uh, you know, I've spent hours and uh, evening after evening after evening closing down bars. Really? Uh, in, in, up in Illinois where she, where she lives. Uh, and I learned how to play darts and shuffleboard and pool. And, (laughs) uh, I had drank so much Pepsi, my eyes would float. Um, you know, but, uh, and then, uh, she visited with us, uh, for a couple weeks this summer. Uh, and got Was this spend, a first time? Yes. For your family? Okay. Uh, got to spend time with her, with her grandkids, uh, extended amount of time. Uh, we spent, you know, maybe a weekend here or there, um, right. you know, together. Um, uh, but uh, she she spent two weeks with us. Uh, and uh, my son, uh, oldest son, got to come and visit. Um, he didn't know she was coming. <laughs> yeah. uh, the little one didn't know she, he, he, she didn't, uh, he didn't know Gigi was coming. Um, so, uh, they call her Gigi for goofy grandma. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and they just, uh, both of them just adore her and they're thankful to have her in, in their lives. I'm thankful. That's wonderful. Uh, to have her in my life. Uh, you know, my wife loves her and, and adores her. And while she was here, we got to have a conversation about Jesus. Um, we got to have a conversation about, uh, scripture in the Bible. And I actually, um, gave, was able to give her one of my Bibles. Um, I've got probably every version, every English version known to mankind yeah, <laughs> and several copies of, 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 of a couple of them. And I had an extra, uh, that I gave to her, uh, that would be easier for her to read. She's always had King James version, which, uh, it's beautiful poetry. Yes. But. Nobody talks like that anymore. 
No. <laughs> uh, it's really it can be difficult to understand. Uh, and she a lot of her questions were from the difficulties of the King James Version. Oh, okay. Um, and she also uh, had the impression that all religions serve the same God. Uh, and that opened the door for me to tell her a little bit more about Christ and who Christ is. And that, that's really a, a the the vision that the majority, I think, of people in in North America have, and even a lot of them who attend church, and are are Christians or church members, you know, whichever way they may go, have that same thing that we all serve the same God, but Jehovah God is different. Yes. That's, yes. And and. You, a lot of times you have to study other religions to understand that. Yes. Um, just the, the, because a lot of other religions call God, God. Um, and that's, it, and uh, use the term capital G versus small g. Right. Uh, and even scripture, when, when, it, when it's not referring to God himself, the creator of all, it's always a small g. You know, when right. he says, you will have, you shall have no other gods before me, it's a small g. And when it speaks um, of, of Lord, yes. and it's speaking of Jehovah God, it's all capital all letters. All capital. And uh, <laughs> I, I might point out that this is a, a, a Brother Greg, our associate evangelist, made a big deal about that on his Telegram uh, Bible studies that he does daily. And uh, people have questioned him when, you, when he has a Bible verse in there. He says Jehovah, and they say, well, you're reading the English Standard. You're putting that on there, but I'm not seeing that. And in an earlier one of his devotionals, he said, this is why I do this, to explain that. And I think that's really good. Yes, because yeah. it d differentiates the creator God, Jehovah, from the other gods of the world. Right. Um, and you can always go back to when Ezekiel was on the mountain. I think it was Ezekiel. Um, no, it was Elijah on the mountain uh, with, with the prophets of Baal. Am I correct? In Elijah? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and there was 400 prophets of Baal, and they spent all day calling down fire to burn the altar up, and nothing came. And he got up and poured water all over the thing, and then called on the name of God, and God sent down fire from heaven to prove that he was the true God. Yeah. Um, uh, I was thinking Ezekiel with the field of dry bones. <laughs> Yes, not a good thing. Uh, and how God can take you know even even the the, the deadest Christian and and break them alive again. So <laughs> you got your you got your uh, biological mother. Yes, a, a, a new translation that would help her. Yes, I got her the New King James version. That's good because if you've been in the King James mm -hmm. forever, it's an easy transition. Yes, and but so much easier to read. Uh, yeah. And then I'm going to uh, one of the best books I've ever re read was uh, Lee Strobel's A Case for Christ. Yes. Um, because he set out to disprove Christ, to disprove the existence of Christ, and ended up just proving himself as you know to become a Christian. Um, and I thought I had, I actually had two copies of it one time because one of the churches that we attended uh, did a book study on that book, and I couldn't find either copy. To give oh. her, so I've got to order one and have it mailed to her because I think that's a that's a book that will will open her eyes to a lot of the questions that she has uh, mm. about Christ and the differing religions of the world. Uh, and uh, of course, going through Bible college, I had to take apologetics, right? Uh, which is the study of other world religions and how best to uh, introduce Christ to those religions. Mm -hmm. uh, and it really astonished me. To find out that the Israel uh, to share the gospel with somebody who's uh, of the Islam religion, the Muslim religion, is to preach and talk about the love of Jesus. Yes, because they've never, and, and that was the thing that attracted me when I first started going to Christian Valley was just the love of Jesus that the membership expressed to me. Right, you know, even though I, yes, I was living in sin, um, as far away from God probably as you can be. Um, and, but they still loved me and accepted me and helped me along the way. And, you know, the love of Christ, and that's, I, I try to ex, uh, express that to my family. Um, because again, they grew up in the same household that I grew up in. Uh, and my grandfather, when they were growing up, was an alcoholic. Um, didn't give his life to Christ until later in life. Um, but then still was just that judgmental, 
if you don't get your life together, you right. know, uh, and and so that's the same thing that they've heard all their lives too. So I try to just express to them my love for them, and the reason I have the love that I have for them is not because we're family, but it's because of the love that Christ has shown me. Right. And that, to me, will open up more doors than judgment or condemnation or anything along mm. those lines. We don't <laughs> we don't need to condemn people. Uh, the Word of God will do that mm-hmm. if they if they are making the decisions that will lead them that way. I do think, and I think you'll agree, that we, we need to preach on the judgment of God, yes. and we need to let people know about heaven and hell. But I grew up just the opposite. I grew up in a denominational church that I heard about the love of God and the grace of God uh, all my life. But I never, I, I never, I, I just thought, well, you go to church and you know there's a God and he's a good loving God and there you are. That's, you're a Christian. But it wasn't until I was in the Harper Road Christian Church in, in Mississippi that I heard the opposite, what you'd heard all your life. And I realized, oh, there is judgment and there is guilt for my sins, and I, I didn't realize that because I thought everything's just okay as long as you believe in God, and so I needed to know that as well, mm-hmm. and uh, the book of Jude's very good about that, about yes. pointing that out, but uh, I think a good balance is there, but we don't need to just feed everything, and and uh, and certainly it's not our job to condemn anyone, mm-hmm. any more than it's my job or yours at a funeral to save the person who died and yes. say they've gone to heaven when we know good and well they were not living a Christian life. You know, so we can't go either. We can't go strong either direction. No. And but just give a balance of the Word of God, and the Word of God will, it 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 imparts grace. When you impart the Word of God, it it I mean, you can't open the Bible without seeing the grace of God. Yes. But you will also see that there is judgment as well. But that's something God. I think God puts that in our hearts, don't you? That every man and woman that ever lives understands even they've never read the bible they they understand there's a creator those i I don't believe that there are atheists i believe there are people who don't want to believe in god but i believe everybody is it's instilled in everybody's heart that there's a creator there's something greater than us and god's put in our heart the difference the understanding of of right and wrong yes but the bible opened their eyes to as to why and how we can get beyond that with god's grace well, and Paul talked about that a lot with the, when he was talking about the law. Yes. And him coming out of the, the Jewish religion and into Christianity, he was trained in the law. He'd been trained in the law since he was little, you know, old enough to read. Uh, and he talks a lot about how the law, we're not separate from the law, but the law no longer condemns us. We're not under right. the law, we're under Christ. Right. Uh, Absolutely. The. It, and he says the purpose of the law was to let me know what sin was. Yes. <laughs> without the law, without God giving Moses the law, we wouldn't know what sin is. Now, you probably heard, and I've heard people say, "Well, you eat shellfish, you eat pork, you 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 wear, you know, polyester clothing." <laughs> you know, doesn't I, I the, try not to wear that anymore. But <laughs> the leisure the, suits are far gone on me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want you to see the picture. I got a picture. I don't want you to see it. Um, I, I, I prefer cotton myself. Okay, still, yeah, me too. Um, you know, doesn't the law condemn those things? And and then you have to point them to the New Testament, where where Jesus dealt with that. Right. Um, he dealt with it twice. He dealt with it with the sheep when Peter was on the rooftop and he was yep. hungry. Uh, and you know, Peter's like, "No, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to eat nothing unclean. Is going to touch my lips." And God says, don't call clean, don't call unclean what I have cleansed. Right. And then when Jesus talked about the words that come out of our mouth is what makes the heart and the words that we speak and the actions that we do is what makes us unclean, not what we eat. Right. Um, and, and, but not, if you just focus on the Old Testament part of the law, you're not going to understand the mercy and the grace. You know, you're talking about the judgment. Right. The law was all about judgment. Right. Jesus fulfilling the law took that judgment off of our shoulders. Right. And so many times we, we, we don't have that balance. And I don't believe you can have the gospel without grace, but you can't have the gospel without judgment at the same time. Right. Because if I don't need grace, 
I don't need salvation. There's no judgment. Right. If there's no judgment, or if there's judgment, I need grace and salvation. Right. So it has to. There has to be that balance, like you were talking about. Uh, for our listener, Brother Phil is using his hand and showing the balances here. And I, and, uh, Sorry about that. No, 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 that, that's really good because because you're absolutely right with that. And I, I think we, as, as preachers, we need to preach the whole word, yes. which is the grace and the judgment. But, we're, and people are very quick, you've heard this, well, you're a Christian, you're not supposed to judge. You can't be a fruit inspector. And by their fruits you shall know them. And you, you can say to somebody, brother, sister, friend, I, I see the fruit's not good here. Let, let's talk about that. And from the pulpit, we need to share all of God's word. We don't need to skip it because, well, somebody might get mad because if I share about this sin and I know this person, my church is involved in it, well, I might get fired. Well, we got we to gotta stand up and say, it. that's not saying, as I've had people say, you preach that right at me. Well, no, I had no idea until this moment that you were doing that. Mm-hmm. But now I know, and and if the shoe fits, you know you need to you need to tie it up or take it off and 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 get a new shoe, whatever it might be. But uh, I didn't. I tell them I didn't kick you in the shin. That was the Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> I I I like to get past stepping on your toes. I'm just going to kick you right in the shin because stepping yeah. on your toes, that pain goes away quicker. <laughs> well, you know, brother Phil, talking to you today, I really enjoyed this. We've gotten into a lot of yes. uh, about. Just a lot of stuff here that's really good, and I hope it'll be helpful to our listeners. And something that about your life that I, I just have to say, and, and I go back to this with Brother Marvin Whiteman and others who have overcome difficulties in their life and, and your your vision difficulties. I never knew that meeting you at the at the banquets. I never knew that until you and I were setting up here on Saturday and you were looking at the computer and you had your face like a, a, an inch from the computer screen. And then I got up on the on the stage and realized you've got a huge TV behind the communion table that, that that looks up at you. And you can just look down there and you've got all your words and everything you need right there. What a great way to do this. This is wonderful. Well, and that was, of course, going into, before I went into ministry, I used the Moses Book of Excuses. Yeah. Uh, and then even wrote, added a few pages of my own. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and and having the visual visual impairment was one of my excuses, you know, because uh, if you go back to the way it used to be done back before technology with iPads and and screens and and stuff like that, where you just had pages and pages of handwritten notes, it never would have worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I finally got to the point, you know, I know you're not supposed to make a deal with God. Right. <laughs> But I told you, I said, look, if you really want me to do this, you better provide a way for me to do it. Uh, and I was I was working at, at, at Target at the time, and the first iPad came out. And uh, just so happened, of course, working there, I got a 10% discount. And then I also had a debit card that was a Target debit card that was through my, my checking account as well. And it gave me another discount. So I had I got it to where I had like 25% off of this thing. And wow. I bought one and uh, started doing research on programs that I could use and found some programs that worked with Windows and Microsoft Office. And that opened the door. And I said, all right, God, you know what? If you want me to do this, now you got to provide, because everybody, you need to go to Bible college if you want to be taken seriously. Right. Okay, God, now you got to open those doors. And he has, and uh, he's paid for it. Um, I have no, my wife still has some student debt, but I have no student debt because um, God found, figured out a way and used my disability to, to get my payment, everything taken care of and paid for. So, yeah. Um, so God has provided simply because if he wanted me to do it, he was going to have to provide the way for me to do it. So we can end it like this, <laughs> listeners. Uh Excuse makers, why you're not preaching the gospel, why you're not on the mission field, uh, there is no excuse. Uh, the, the fleece, Gideon, is, was wet this morning, tomorrow it'll be dry. Uh, pick <laughs> up, pick, uh, throw down your, your staff, pick it up, 
and uh, it'll be a snake, pick it up. God's going to take care of it. And here's your brother. It might be an iPad of your brother that's going to speak for you. But anyway, you've got what you need. So uh, I tell you, our, our time has just flown by here. Yeah. I've enjoyed it, Phil, getting to know you better. But we've got to get off because I try to get off on time. And and uh, I, I just thank you so much for, for taking time today and sharing with us. And I'd like to say to our listeners, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you, share it with your co-workers in Christ, your Christian friends and family. Uh, hit the like button if you're listening on one of those podcast platforms that has a like button and then share it. Would you do that? If you pick this up on Truth Social or uh, any other social media, uh, share it. Please do that. Let other people hear it uh, around the world. And until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye and may God pour down his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.